0: This is Annie Stevens Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I'd like to welcome you to our worship podcast. Good evening. This is Reverend Gary Lubin, serving as deacon with the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to our daily devotion in the early evening for individuals and families which can be found on page 139 of the Book of Common Prayer. Our reading for today from the Daily Office is John chapter 5 verses 1 through 18. Now let's get started with our worship together. A gracious light, pure brightness of the ever-living Father in heaven. O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool, called in Hebrew, Bethesda, which has five porticoes. In these lay many ill, blind, lame, and paralyzed people. One man was there who had been ill for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The ill man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took up his mat, and began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your mat. But he answered them, the man who made me well said to me, take up your mat and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take it up and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had disappeared in the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore, so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore the Jews started persecuting Jesus, because he was doing such things on the Sabbath but Jesus answered them My father is still working and I also am working For this reason the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he was not only breaking the sabbath but was also calling God his own father thereby making himself equal to God The gospel of our Lord Good evening Jesus is in Jerusalem to celebrate an unnamed religious festival, perhaps it's Sukkot. While there, Jesus finds himself at the pool of Bethsaida. This place was a pool of water known for its healing qualities. And not too long ago, it was rediscovered. And when it was, it turns out that it was located near the Sheep Gate, just on the north side of the temple. On our Church of the Redeemer pilgrimage to the Holy Land in 1999, my wife Janice and I found ourselves in that very same place. And then, my gosh, to read this story about it in the Gospel of John, kind of serendipitous. Having been there, I can better picture the scene described by John. Many of the infirm, the ill, blind, lame, and paralyzed, all laying in the area of five porticoes that surround the pool, waiting and hoping to be healed. Now, some say the name of the place means house of mercy or house of grace. Now, how poignant is that that Jesus shows up? Jesus notices one particular sick man lying there who he knows somehow or another Had been there a long time. We are told that he has been ill for 38 years. Yes, you heard right 38 years. So I can picture Jesus perhaps kneeling, crouching down to be close beside him to better look into his forlorn eyes that are pleading for help. Jesus says, perhaps whispers to just this one person directly in front of him, one-on-one. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Now, instead of just saying yes, the sick man goes into a long tirade, which was a kind of a lament. Now, after I learned why I was not so critical of the poor fellow for complaining like he did, Well, to begin with, it has to be understood the common belief was that angels periodically, but unpredictably, imparted healing powers to the water by stirring them up. Of those loitering around the pool waiting for this stirring event to happen, the very first to get into the water would be healed. You had to be the first. And apparently our candidate, because of the condition that his condition is in, cannot move fast enough to beat the crowd. Normally being second or third or just finishing is a good thing. We are even taught by Jesus the contrarian idea that those who come last will be first. And so today, maybe this is a divine example of that promise. But as it is for this sick person, lingering there for such a long time, somewhat helpless. The rule of the day was first come, first and only healed. So that is why he laments. The sick man complains not being able to get help to make it in time. The others who he is competing with aren't going to lift a finger. But Jesus operates on a different level, by a different code, the law of love. The law of love. Jesus trumps the rules for him. Jesus is a kind of a catalyst, a catalytic hope. Now, taking the sick man's lament to be a yes, I do, I do, I do want to be healed, Jesus steadfastly pursues his mission of love. Jesus commands him, stand up, take your mat and walk. No water required, just the grace and mercy of faith with a sprinkle of some hopeful obedience tossed in the mix. When the healed man does follow these simple instructions, gets up toting his mat with him, he is chastised by the religious establishment for doing work on the Sabbath, that is to say, carrying his mat on the Sabbath, well, for crying out loud, And Jesus is persecuted for healing on the Sabbath. Give me a break. Jesus responds by proclaiming that as long as God, his Father, works on the Sabbath, well, so does he. So does he. So now he is then accused of blasphemy. The religious establishment ups their game, seeking to kill Jesus all the more for his crime of love for his crime of love, guilty as charged. But what about the sick man? Don't we all, in one way or another, identify with him? Don't we feel sorry for him? Don't we see that we could be him, might be him, are him, and feel a bit sorry for ourselves, too? How does what Jesus says apply to him and to us? Well, When Jesus happens to encounter the healed man in the temple, he says to him, See, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Now, why did Jesus say that to him? What was his sin? After all, how much trouble? (laughs) How much trouble can one get into sitting around a pool of mercy and grace all day long? Well, The only thing I can think of is that the sick man felt sorry for himself. And when Jesus offered to help, the sick man whines that no one would help him to be the first into the pool. And did you notice that the healed man fails to thank Jesus or praise God? He did not even know who healed him. He does not even try to run after Jesus with his new legs when he disappeared into the crowd. You know, like happens in other healings in the Bible. Feeling sorry for oneself is inherently selfish, diverting attention away from others. It is a kind of enthusiasm, but for self. It is not sacrificial or self-giving. Feeling sorry for oneself can be a hard habit to break or state of mind to alter or heal. I've recently learned that it can be a trap when one experiences the deep sufferings of grief. One needs help. One needs a catalytic converter, like Jesus. I am reminded of a poem by D.H. Lawrence titled Self-Pity, which I would like to share with you. The poem Self-Pity presents Mother Nature's wild things as examples to emulate, you might say. It was made popular in the movie G.I. Jane, Lawrence's pithy poem goes like this. I never saw a wild thing sorry for itself. A small bird will drop frozen dead from a bough without ever having felt sorry for itself. While in the temple, Jesus points out to the now healed man that if he continues to sin, then something worse might very well happen. What could be worse, becoming some kind of a golem character? Self-pity separates us from each other and from God because, like Narcissus, we are looking at self in the mirror, seeing just an image, a mere image of God and only one in particular, a reflection of oneself, not seeing God or the God on others. Gratitude. Gratitude is a remedy for self-pity, affirmation of appreciation. Turning towards gratitude brings us together to be enthusiastic and self-giving. And working together in gratitude, we can, at one and the same time, steadfastly be an object and pursue our mission of love. And just like Jesus be catalytic converters for love. Amen. And now a reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. It is not ourselves that we proclaim. We proclaim Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For the same God who said, Out of darkness let light shine has caused his light to shine within us to give the light of revelation, the revelation of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let us now say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now let us pray today's collect, which is from last Sunday, the second Sunday in Lent. O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Let us now take some time pausing our worship together, if you need to do that, to offer up our prayers of intercession, thanksgiving, and praise for the world, for the church, for our national life, for the social and natural orders, and for family and personal life, and in particular for those who are suffering and those who have died. Let us now pray. The Collect for the Human Family, found on page 815 of the prayer book. O God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your Son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love. And work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth that in your good time, all nations and peoples of the earth, the one human family may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us now pray the Collect for Social Order and Social Justice from page 823 of the prayer book. Grant, O God, that your holy and life-giving Spirit may so move every human heart, and especially the hearts of the people of this land, that barriers which divide us may crumble, suspicions disappear, and hatred cease, that our divisions being healed, we may live in justice and peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now, let us pray the concluding collect from page 139. Lord Jesus, stay with us, for evening is at hand and the day is past. Be our companion in the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope that we may know you as you are revealed in Scripture and the breaking of bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. Now go in peace, hope, and joy to love and serve our God in the name of our Teacher and Savior, Jesus.